This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey guys, welcome back. I am so happy to have Eric Anderson, editor and chief of Awards Watch with me. Eric, so lovely to talk to you again. It's always wonderful to be on it to talk to you, Christina. So nothing much happening, all calm there as November 3rd approaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I guess, you know, it's, <laughs> there's, there's never in an election year in the United States, there's never going to be any calm two weeks before uh, an election. And, and it certainly is not this year as well so this year's even crazier than most crazy yes let's catch up so we're going to get into some industry news some movie talk i'm I'm thinking about calling this episode things are changing forever because that's what it feels like um since we talked last all the blockbusters have hit the road from 2020 they've moved to 2021 even to 2022 i'm talking dune the new bond movie no time to die west side story everything Uh, talk a little bit about that what do you make of this well, I, <laughs> it's, it, I think Wonder Woman is still on the, the calendar, but there's no way that's going to hang on. It's, it's going to, to get pulled and, and moved as well. And for a lot of these, because they're not time-sensitive films, you can, you can push them. They're not going to all of a sudden be you know, irrelevant because they have you know, very contemporary you know, dialogue or themes or subjects or whatever. You can, you can move these, these kind of movies around a little bit. But the, the issue is most of these movies are controlled by Disney, uh, most of the ones that, that you even mentioned. Mm-hmm. And they are making a pretty concerted decision to, to look at theatrical releases as not a necessary component in the United States. That to me was the biggest news, even, I mean, bigger than anything that we've seen or read before. We just saw this morning in Variety that AMC is going to sell off 15 million shares. They're probably going to go into bankruptcy. I, it's hard for me to see a, a way out of the direction that things are going right now. I mean, I'm certainly worried. It's really upsetting, but I don't know if if there is a way back anytime soon. But to to, to get to your point about the the movies that are moving off into 2021 and 2022, Batman's going to 2022. These kind of movies cost 200 plus million dollars just for their production, and the marketing and post production release and everything that is involved there adds another 100 to 200 million on the price tags of these movies so by the time it actually comes out for people to see it needs to you know hit a threshold of 5 to 700 million before it can even break even so i think what is happening and i think what one of the things that the pandemic has shown us in so many ways, uh, but specifically to what we're talking about, is how easy it is to crumble the infrastructure of 
a lot of industries because they're hanging, they're standing on toothpicks and you cannot, you cannot have an industry where a single entity costs five to $700 million to produce and hope and gamble that it's going to make that back. So I, th I think what's, what this is going to do is put us into a new era of the types of movies that are greenlit in the future because they have to think about what that return on investment is really going to look like. So it'll be sort of a mid-range movie that you see coming. I think it's, I think it's possible. I mean, I don't want to full on say this will happen, but I, I can, I will predict that it looks like it, it will. We're not in a place yet to say that theaters can survive. New York movie theaters are supposed to be able to reopen a little bit uh, on Friday. But you have this crossroads of what's actually going to get shown and who's going to go. I think audiences obviously want to go back to the movies. They, they want that experience and they, they want to do it. But I, I don't think it's going to be enough and certainly not enough soon enough to buoy these theater chains. And another thing that, that we just read in the trades is that China has, for the first time ever, surpassed the U.S. box office. The, the Hollywood Reporter writes, it's a historic sea change. North America has been the global box office's center of gravity since the dawn of motion picture business. It only took a pandemic to accelerate this transition. That's pretty incredible, too. It is, and it was moving in that direction already because China's box office has been so explosive. Yeah, this, this just uh, to put the nail in that for sure. Do you think that the tenant experiment didn't work? Am I correct in that? That opening up in certain parts of the world, what they want to do is do an international opening or nothing at all. Yeah, I think, I think tenant did the very best that they could. And, and that is an example of a movie that costs so much that the, the amount that it would have had to make back was never going to hit that mark uh, in a pandemic era. It cost $200 million. It's made $334 million worldwide, only 50 of that here in the States. But at the same time, $50 million for a movie this year, post-pandemic, not including, you know, Bad Boys 3 and, and anything that really happened before. In, in a weird way, that's, that's a hit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a <laughs> it's a hit in terms of in 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 relation to everything else but it's it's not this is not sustainable period I want to go back a little bit to this to Disney so what we saw happening here was their big big new Pixar movie Soul which is getting incredible critical response I can't wait to see it but they decided to put it on right on Disney Plus at no extra charge but this is a huge deal I mean Pete Doctor who's the director of of Soul but he's also the head of Pixar at Disney this must have been kind of heartbreaking you want to see that movie in a movie theater but he, they made this decision to just forego that. How difficult do you think that was for them? I think it was extremely difficult. I participated in the press event that had a Q&A with, with Pete Doctor and Kemp Powers. And, and we saw the first, I think it was 35 or 40 minutes of Soul, 
which was amazing, by the way. Mm. And this was a question that came up, obviously. Uh, and at the time, and, and just to, to show you how, how short uh, these time windows are in, in the pandemic era, they were pretty adamant that it was going to be a theatrical release and not that they did not want to go straight to, to Disney+. Plus. And that was coming from a, a creative place from their heart, from a financial place. I mean, it was coming from all of those things, uh, as well as the best information that they had in that moment. And then uh, just a few weeks after that, maybe I think it was two weeks. Yeah, it was announced that it would go straight to Disney+. Plus. So I think it has to be a, a pretty heartbreaking in that sense. How much would they made with the theatrical release as opposed to just putting it up on Disney Plus? Well, I think that's that's one thing that would have been a really, at least from statistical and academic perspective, would have been a really fascinating thing because this is the first Pixar film that has a black lead. So this is untested waters. And I think a lot of what we do when we're kind of looking at this and certainly executives look at the validity of certain kinds of movies with certain leads as to what gets greenlit and how much money they'll spend on it. I think this would have been a really important film to have um, box office numbers behind it. I think it kind of needed that. Um, it's still you know, getting great reviews and it's going to be really widely seen. It will increase Disney Plus uh, subscriptions in time for Christmas, all of these things will happen, but you can't, you can't assign a number now to a movie like soul. When, when Disney did princess and the frog, God, how many years ago was that now? 10, 15. Yeah, 15 at least. And you know, that, that had uh, a black lead princess and the box office was not that big. So I think what happened is they saw that and go, oh, okay, maybe the audiences are not quite ready, which is a horrible thing to say and a horrible thing to think. But that's from an executive point of view, that's exactly what they're thinking. So Soul, I really think, needed to have that theatrical release and box office numbers to to show that. But still, they're really taking a big leap of saying that they're going to be focusing mainly on streaming. Yeah, I mean... I have to say it was a a bit of a surprise. It's <laughs> I don't know how really they're going to manage it without you know subscription increases or possible premiums later on or of the parks being open. Exactly. I mean, where is what's what's the what's the bottom line balance when you fire 28,000 people versus the revenue that you get from a normal year of the park being open? which is obviously their, you know, the bottom line that they're looking at. Do you think that we will be seeing some of these movies that we mentioned that have been pushed up, end up on streaming anyway? Netflix is buying up Paramount movies. For example, um, The Trial of the Chicago 7 was a Paramount, or is a Paramount movie that was supposed to have a theatrical release. It wasn't a Netflix original, but they bought it and it went directly to them and to streaming. And there's several other movies that they're doing that with. Do you think we'll see more of these big ones? I think so. I think so, unless they have something in place. Paramount, which has just been bleeding money for a really long time, has not been prepared for a proper existence 
post, let's say post, um, post theaters. If, if, if you're as old as somebody like me, <laughs> you have seen the, the transition from theater to VHS, to DVD, to streaming. And all of these things happen and you can't stop it. It's going to happen. So you're either going to be ahead of it and a part of it, or you're going to absolutely fall behind. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Paramount was ready for this. I think that's why they sold Chicago 7, because they knew they were not going to be able to have it in theaters. And they didn't have a proper video on demand ready to accommodate it. Universal does. They're way ahead. And Disney does. They're way ahead. And if, if you don't have that, I mean, you're, you're talking about a hundred year old company that is going to almost fold. Yeah. If you don't have that either way in, in a pandemic or not in a pandemic at the moment with all the streaming, mm -hmm. that seems like a dangerous scenario to be in. Yes. Because, th because this conversation was already happening and, and this just sped it up. So it really showed who was prepared and who was not. Always be prepared, right? <laughs> Always be prepared. We have to change the way that we see things and the way that we think things are because it's happening anyway. Finally, what do you think? Do you think that we will actually, that movie theaters will survive? How will we be watching movies next year? Oh, goodness. Huh. I'm, I'm worried. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely worried because I don't see, I don't see the end to this. And I don't think anybody does. And I think that's why everything is so kind of scary right now with this industry is that you can't predict this. You can't track it. There is nothing that's happened before that has allowed us a way to predict what the future is going to be for box office, for theaters, for any of this. If AMC goes bankrupt, what happens? Does Amazon or Netflix buy AMC? Because the antitrust laws are open now. And we talked a little bit about that yeah, before. We did, yeah. But they don't need to. They don't need to open a business that is failing when they have a business that is successful. Right. Why would anybody want to buy movie chains if you can't get anybody in there and if they're already really difficult to turn a, a buck on? I mean, the only way to really do that would be to go back to the very old way of doing things where Paramount had these theaters and they're only going to show Paramount movies. So that's the only way, weirdly, I think that this might work because you have all of these fantastic streaming networks with Hulu and Disney and Netflix and Amazon, and they're, they're already in place. So if you don't have that, then you'll need your own private theater chain <laughs> to prop yourself up. I mean, who knows? Maybe the theater business will be more like a mom and pop business where you go see your classics or another type of special screenings. Yeah, I'm, I've been thinking about that too because we have the resurgence of drive-ins right now. And it's sort of like, it's like thinking about the, the difference between, you know, digital and analog and, you know, CDs and vinyl. Right. I think, I think vinyl outsold CDs last year, if I'm not mistaken, for the first time in, you know, 
ever since the beginning of CDs. So we are entering a strange period where what's old is new again. And I think there is an absolute chance, like you just mentioned, for something like an art house theater mm -hmm. to be able to be successful and, you know, that these tent poles and blockbusters are going to need a different avenue. It would be so strange, but I would welcome it. <laughs> At least we get to do that, right? <laughs> yeah. But funny enough, in all this negativity that we've been talking about, there are some really good movies. And this really weird award season is quite exciting. I have several movies I've seen that are great and several that I'm really looking forward to. I thought we could just check in. Where are you with Best Picture right now? You know, there's there are so many people that seem really kind of downtrodden about the Oscars right now and, you know, what we're going to see nominated. They're wrong. I'm, they are wrong. I'm really on the opposite end of this. I am extremely enthusiastic. We've had great series of fall festivals uh, and, you know, some really managed the the pandemic and, and, and doing a virtual festival a little bit better than others. AFI has done a tremendous job and their, their app for watching things on, on television is wonderful. So we have seen a semi return to normalcy with a lot of the films that are coming out of, of these festivals. And here's kind of my thing. And I was working on this piece that really kind of wanted to talk about this because there was that one piece from, I don't want to mistake her name, I think it was Alyssa Rosenberg. Washington Post, right? In the Washington Post, yeah. Talking about why the Oscars shouldn't happen. And it was so focused around all of these big budget movies that we were talking about, like Dune and West Side Story and whatever, uh, that aren't going to be there. And they should, you know, just cancel the Oscars. And I'm like, hold on. What are you talking about? Because what this is going to do is move out of the way the movies that take up so much oxygen in the room every Oscar season because they have bigger campaigns, because they are just more recognizable. And what this is going to do is highlight the more diverse casts, films, and directors that the last few years have been pushing for with the Academy and what they say that they want to do. So what I think we're going to see is such an exciting group of films and performances and directors. We are going to see a whole bunch of, of firsts. And I do not care if you put an asterisk on this year or that for the rest of you know, Oscar talk in, in history, we're going to talk about 2020 as this huge exception to everything that's happened before. I don't care. That's fine. Let's do that in, you know, five years and 10 years when, we, when we're doing our, our look backs. Because right now is an incredible amount of films that would likely not have the same attention in a normal year. Yeah, yet still deserve it. We, we, every year we, we lament all of these things that go unnoticed. Mm -hmm. And the reason they go unnoticed is because we have these 
these the stranglehold by uh, studios on so many titles. So what are some of those interesting titles? Well, just this week, I mean, it was crazy what I was watching in such a short period of time going, wow, this is the best thing I've seen this year. <laughs> wow, this is the best thing I've seen this year. Um, A24 has Minari, which is unbelievable. It began at Sundance, but they held on to it for a really long time. So we were all like, what's going on? Is this movie coming out? And then it exploded in the fall film festivals. The Father, which I think already would have been a pretty decent contender. That's Anthony Hopkins. That's Anthony Hopkins in what I think is his best performance of his 60-year career. Absolutely the best. Um, One Night in Miami, Nine Days. I just saw Nine Days. Oh, my God. What is that? That stars Winston Duke, and he is this human in the afterlife that watches on these old-fashioned televisions the lives of uh, people. He's kind of in charge of, let's say, about a dozen people. And when one dies, half a dozen new people come in as souls that are essentially auditioning to be the next person that replaces them. Wow, this it's sounds a, interesting. It is such a fascinating idea. It was. It's sort of like if you married being John Malkovich and Soul mm-hmm, together. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely brilliant. Great script, and it's a, it's, I guess what is called sort of lo-fi sci-fi, where the concept is extremely supernatural science fiction, but it's not about visual effects or anything at all. It's. It's just the idea. The idea and story and amazing dialogue and acting. And Winston Duke is incredible. And it's the kind of thing that would, it would be, you know, loved by critics, but it's not, never, it would never be like in contention for anything the way that it could this year. And then we, of course, have the big Netflix dueling directors <laughs> with the Fincher versus Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin with his The Trial of the Chicago 7 and Fincher with his behind the scenes of the making of Citizen Kane movie, Mank, which I think mm-hmm. will be huge, both of them. I'm pretty sure that the cast of Chicago 7 will have lot, take lots of slots. And Mank, I mean, I've just seen the pictures, but I pretty much feel like give the cinematography to... <laughs> Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm seeing that next week. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited for that. Yeah, you know, it's I, I think we'll we'll end up talking about this every every single time we talk. <laughs> Netflix has so many things. They just dropped the, the trailers for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Hillbilly Elegy uh, within a week of each other. So they have they could easily dominate this season. And that's that's another thing that we're that we're looking at too is we're not just looking at a change in how we watch movies we're going to be looking at a change in how the Oscars see movies and what they give wins to you know Netflix has, has been working really really hard for a long time a to, years, get, yeah. <laughs> to get some of those top tier wins you know they have best director and supporting actress and documentary feature. But uh, they're not getting the big one yet. And it's certainly possible this year. Right, right. It's certainly possible. It's unavoidable, almost. I mean, not only do they have their Netflix originals, they're also buying everything from Paramount, for example. So 
basically they'll have most of the <laughs> big pictures it feels like yeah and they they might you know be taking the amy adams movie woman in the window from from disney in 20th century too that's still not solid yet but that that might happen as well well anything else do you want to mention in terms of movies that you've seen or looking forward to i'm definitely looking forward to news of the world if that comes out that is universal pictures and that's kind of a, a i guess i would say a bigger big film that's a so tom, i'm really curious tom hanks that's tom, yes that is tom hanks yes and, and helena zengel who's the little german actress from system crasher and I mean, she looks fantastic in it you know this could be like a true grit Haley steinfeld oh, cool. sort of thing it's paul um, greengrass right and it's paul greengrass and the the look of it is certainly different than than anything that he's done before in the time period as well it's all you know pony express post office stuff but what i'm what i'm curious about is if universal is going to push forward with the christmas release of this it seems like they are so far but as I say this, you know, and as this gets posted, something could change. Yes. So everything we're doing is in pencil. There is no writing in pen with any of this. <laughs> um, but like I said, too, Universal has already tested the waters of extremely limited theatrical release and then video on demand. And I think they have done that pretty successfully. So I imagine as all of these big movies leave, the calendar the ones that stay are going to you know get a lot of attention and right now that's there's not a lot of them we have a nomad land we haven't mentioned this time around that's another one that's i think will people will be talking about come oscars oh it's a it's a top two it's absolutely a top two player and chloe zhao is going to make oscar history oh that's so cool and i'll say this much i think regardless of a pandemic year or not, she would still make the best director lineup, period. Even if everything that was supposed to come out came out, I still think she would get in. That's what we want to hear. Eric, thank you so much. Always so interesting. And um, I'm sure that when next time we talk, everything will have changed again and <laughs> switched around. <laughs> and that's why it's so fun to keep in touch like this so we can keep monitoring what's going on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Guilty Greeny. I feel like we should start off this show by saying it's nearly impossible to be 100% sustainable given the current world we live in. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Not a great analogy for a vegetarian, but you know. We're talking uh, about sustainability, (laughs) maybe not the best analogy. Don't eat the elephant is the first rule of the Guilty Greeny. There's your first challenge of the week. Avoid elephants. What they used to call frugal is now considered sustainable. That's such an aha moment. Frugal to sustainable. You can save money and help the planet. That's going to be our new tagline for sure. You can find Guilty Greenie on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you prefer. And join us in tackling the Guilty Greenie challenges. Until then, stay curiously green. Green.